Hello and welcome to Romance at a Glance. I am your host, Shawnee, and with me is my beautiful co-host, Bridget. Hi, Shawnee. How was your holiday? Holiday was good. Fam is good. We didn't do anything. We stayed at home. We wear our masks. Everyone, please do the same. We cannot leave our houses in California anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. We did an extended quarantine, uh, each one of my family members, um, which was only like three. It was me, my brother, and my sister. We all quarantined, got tested, waited again, and then um, convened at my sister's house, which is nice. really nice, nice. Um, to do. And now we are still quarantining back at home because <laughs> yes. we're not trying to get COVID. But it was such a great holiday, and I'm so excited. Also, I'm so excited that we're having our best week on the podcast. Yeah, we are. I'm excited about it. I'm excited. You know I love the numbers. I track the numbers. Guys, huge week on the podcast. Best ever. All of our new people. Hello. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. How did you find us? Tell us more about yourselves. (laughs) We are nosy, and we want to be your friends. Yeah. So hit us up and DM us and come watch a show with us. And oh my God, we watched uh, Bridgerton's with some of our patrons over uh, the holiday break, which was amazing. And I'm still um, talking shit with Daniela about it. Nice. <laughs> I am sad I missed that one, you guys. I totally got the Dave Rock sauce at the one with Molly. What up, Molly? And I totally missed the one with Daniela because I have children and I just did not look at my calendar. So that's where I am this holiday. <laughs> it happened. It happens. It was a great time. And, uh, and we're so happy that we got to do that. Uh, So, speaking of great time and amazingness, today we have a huge interview coming at you. We have the amazing Beverly Jenkins on the podcast. Yes, we do. Shawnee, you know my policy is to always ask because you never know if you're going to get a yes. You're already at a no. We're starting at no. But man, I was so surprised and excited that Beverly reached out and said yes when I said, will you come on Authors at a Glance? Hell Yes. Her back catalog of work is, like, huge, and we're in awe of her multiple decades of writing experience. 1994, her first book was published. Yeah, I was seven, six, seven. So she's been publishing books my entire life, which is awesome. Pretty much. I mean, (laughs) when you think about it, it's like, "Mm, I was probably doodling Sailor Moon at the time she was publishing her book. Yeah, so cool. That's amazing. Well, welcome to 2021, everyone, because we are coming for you with a b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-
because we were those kids who were like, how many books, you know, they have those little library competitions. Can you yeah, read 20 books yeah. over the summer? And it's like, I read 20 books in the first week. And I'm like, what more you got? Like we've ran I out know. of the prizes and stuff. And right, yeah, yeah. Like what stories drew you? What kind of stories? Everything. Um, Westerns, other kids, um, like I said, Shakespeare at 12, um, science fiction, fantasy. I mean, the back of cereal boxes. Anything <laughs> that had, or at least it seemed like, anything that had the written word on it, uh, I wanted to devour it. You know, it, it got to be, it was sort of, I don't know if it was an addiction, but I had this thing for the written word. And, you know, I grew up, you know, in the late 50s, early 60s, 60s and all of that. And my mom um, told me when, you know, as I got older or whatever, that I used to read the newspaper. And back then, kids were not encouraged to read the newspaper because, you know, it might be something in there that would, you know, curdle your little mind. <laughs> so she asked my elementary school teachers if it was okay for me to read the newspaper. And they were like, sure, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just read, 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 read. And I get that, got that from her. I lost her, unfortunately, in April. But, you know, up until she was 91, up until probably she turned 89, wow. she's reading all the time. Um, she was a big fan of Susan Wiggs. Um, she liked, uh, she was like me. I mean, she read everything. Yeah. Book clubs. She liked my books. Um, so I get it honest. And all of my brothers and sisters, I'm the oldest of seven. All of my siblings read. So uh, we pass books around. And, and You're the oldest of seven? I am the oldest of seven. There's there's awesome. seven of us in 13 years, so we are stair steps. <laughs> yes, um, you are. <laughs> yeah, very, very close still. Um, youngest is whatever 13 years is from 69, because I'm 69, so she's 13 years younger than I am. So, you know, but yeah, it's a lot of love, big old family, lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, not a whole lot of money growing up, but we didn't know that. You know, we were too busy, you know, reading books and Playing outside, we lived across the street from one of Detroit uh, city big parks, which was a blessing to my mother, you know, because we were at the yeah. park all day. Once you got your chores done, then, you know, you could go play baseball in Foursquare and do crafts and play volleyball and all of that from the time the sun up came up until streetlights came on. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited about I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and I am thrilled for the day where they can go places <laughs> like out even in our backyard without me there because right yeah. now they're too small to be in our backyard without someone at least like sitting around making yeah. sure no one's cracking a head on the concrete yeah yeah she was so grateful for for that you know but you know and then if you, she needed us she could you know step out onto the porch and yell across the street but <laughs> <laughs> my um my oldest sister i'm one of a lot of kids and um my oldest sister, I have a lot of conversations with her now, kind mm -hmm. of about being the oldest. And she 
has expressed what I was oblivious to, which is the responsibilities of being the Uh, oldest and the pressures of being the oldest, you know, and my oldest sister is, could be God to me. Like, honestly, like she can do no wrong. She can, you know, there's nothing on this planet. We always call her the golden child. And we make this joke. Like every time she walks in the room, we go, ah, (laughs) (laughs) she's always like, shut up. (laughs) But, but she used to read like, my my love of reading has to have directly come from her because she was a voracious reader. Mm-hmm. And every time she got a book before we could read, she read it to us. And even after we could read, she'd read it to us and we'd beg her and beg her. And she'd be like, you can read the book on your own. And be like, no, 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 you read it. You read it. And she would sit and read us. I mean, she must've read us That's hundreds awesome. and hundreds of books. So there's like, there's a love for the oldest child and that I'm sure that everybody has for you. Yeah. That it's just that you can do no wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I did a whole lot of wrong and they're like, Oh God. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, I, the, the big sister role is important. And yeah, it's a lot of pressure and, Sometimes, you, you you know, the pressure is there and you don't even know it's there. But um, I named my baby sister and, uh, you know, changed a lot of diapers. And you know, I, I, we used to get mad at, at my mom because there's three girls, two boys and two girls. And the three oldest girls, you know, we were always mad because my mother didn't make my little sisters start washing dishes at eight. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and by then, you know, we... Because, you know, we grew up in the era before, you know, what we now call washing machines. So, you know, and there were no dryers and you had to take the laundry outside and put it on the on the on the, the lines. And, you know, the baby sisters didn't have to do that. And we're like, wait, 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 you know. So but I'm grateful for all six of them. They each have their own special talent or, you know, so, yeah. I'm curious if. um so my my family is very religious, and I don't know if yours is, but when you decided to do romance novels, was that an issue? Mm-mm. No. You know, my dad um, had a degree in biology and a degree in chemistry. I taught school for a while, and his whole thing was like, you know, grammar's not right in this. You know, and I'm like, Dad, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got to say is you know, grammar's wrong. Um, my mom was just so proud. Um, we grew up Episcopalian. So, um, they, you know, they, you know, this was the gift that God had given me. So they weren't, you know, hung up, you know, on any of that. Um, my mom had six brothers and sisters. I have 21 first cousins. So my, my mom is big family. So they're all reading the books. Um, and my aunts had like nine aunts. And they were like, one aunt was like, okay, I'm never eating on your kitchen table again. Who said, okay, I just skipped that part. You know, I, I skipped the love scenes and go on, you know, and read the stories. So um, they've been amazingly supportive, of, you know, throughout my life. And, uh, you know, they always say that God knows exactly where, you know, you're supposed to be placed some Stevie Wonder lyrics from something. Um, but I believe that. I mean, I was in the place where I needed to be to be watered and given the right soil and, you know, the right sunlight and all of that to to turn me into me and from my brothers and sisters to be turned into who who they were. Um, so, yeah, I look, look back very fondly on my childhood. Yeah. 
I always feel like it's funny which aunts will be the ones who. So I have an aunt who I would is very conservative now. Mm-hmm. And I would assume because we put out some, you know, we talk about romance, we talk about sex, talk about a lot of raunchy things. Yeah. And I would assume that she would have been the aunt who was kind of like either didn't just wouldn't refuse to listen or refuse to watch this video I had made that was pretty funny. And she was like, oh my God, I love it so much. This is my favorite part. This is what I laughed so hard. And then she started telling me all these stories about her youth. And I was like, oh, you were a little scandalous <laughs> in your youth, weren't you? And like, are there a certain group of readers that you've been the most surprised at, like how much they love your books? Like maybe they, maybe from the outside, you wouldn't expect that they would be your readers? Um, no, um, because I think the market was so hungry for, you know, what I and the other African-American romance readers write. Um, I might have been surprised at some of the little old ladies um, in, in some of the quote unquote conservative churches. But um, a good story, I think, is a good story. And it doesn't matter who you are. Um, I'm a lay minister with. Episcopal Church, and they've been for a long time, which means, you know, I'm not ordained or anything like that. But it was funny because I was in a, and I tell this story a lot. I told the story to the church one day when I was doing a sermon. <laughs> um, I sat a signing, and this little old black lady came up, and and she, you know, she looked at looked at the books, and she looked at me, and she said, you know, I, I can't read that, read that book, baby. And I said, well, why not? She said, my son is a minister. And I said, well, I'm a minister. She said, in a church? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am, in a church. You know, she couldn't couldn't wrap her head around, you know, the clinch covers. (laughs) I don't remember which book it was, but, you know, I've got clinch covers on everything. So (laughs) wrap her head around a clinch cover being written by a quote-unquote woman of God. So, um but you know, I'm guys read my stuff. Um, old guys in hats in Arkansas read the the blessing series. Uh, hmm. Got an email from a retired Marine drill sergeant with the uh, blessings books. Um, so I'm just grateful, you know, for whoever picks up a Beverly Jenkins book and finds that it's a great read, and they run and tell somebody, you know. So yeah. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Well, your book was the first historical book I ever picked up where I saw a brown person on the cover. Like, I re- I distinctly remember, I think I was like Googling one day. Um, and I was like, because I love historicals. Every, I grew up, that was, those are like my first books. And they're like, I must have read thousands of them at this point. Um, yeah. And uh, so I remember one day just being, being like, why are there no, why am I not seeing any brown people? And I'd never organically seen your book. Um, and so I searched one day and your name came up and that's yeah. how I ended up reading um, your first book. And I, but that was the first, in, the first time I'd ever seen that. And I was an adult at yeah. that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I get that a lot from, you know, and, and African-American women have been reading romance forever. You know, you know, and and it's sad that and I grew up reading romance, too, 
among all the other stuff I was reading. And it was sad that there was nothing in the in the marketplace that looked like me or my sisters or you or you know your cousins or your sisters. Uh, but we still read them. And I remember some of the stories that my readers were telling me when they first saw Night Song on the on the shelves. And one woman said, she said, I looked at it. She said, I had to open up the back of the book to see if it was a black author. She said, and then I had another um, reader who said she sat down in Walden Books on the floor and started reading um, just to make sure it wasn't Mandingo or, you know, something like that. So, but, (laughs) but then, you know, I grew up reading, there was nothing in the marketplace reflecting me, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you still read and you still, you know, take in the stories and, uh, I love Alyssa Cole's story about growing up in New York and one of her teachers uh, took all the fairy tales, people in color and brown, different shades of brown. My and, mom used to do that. Yeah, you know, and and so, you know, you, you make a way out of no way. And you know, the next thing you know, you're here talking to you guys on a podcast. <laughs> What's it, what's it like now? Because you obviously for a lot of years were probably the only author of color at a signing or the only author of color at a convention. Like you might be yeah. the, only, the only one there. And now, like you mentioned, Alyssa Cole, there's so many more yeah. well, authors. You know, I, 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 I put my, um, well, my agency put up the, uh, the starred review for um, Wild Rain. It'll be out in February. It's my new my new historical. And the last line of the review says something about, and Jenkins continues to prove why she's a giant in the genre, you know. And I'm like, okay. Um, and Sandra Kitt um, on Twitter yesterday, she said, you know, it's an incredible description. And and I had to tell her, I said, you know, I wouldn't be here without you. Uh, Sandra and Elsie Washington and some of the other ladies, they were the true loners. They were the true ones at the, you know, RWA with nobody else there for support. But by the time I came on, um, Cassandra and them were published in the early 90s. And I got, my first book was published in 94. So when I got there, there were still just a handful of us. And you got used to being ignored. You got used to, you know, eating only with your kind. Um, because a lot of people were not very nice. Um, but you can either, and you know, and, and, and Toni Morrison says, you know, racism is there just to distract you. You know, you, you, they say, oh, well, you do this and you'll be equal. You do this and you, she said, you said, you're running around to, trying to do all this other stuff, you know, and they keep moving the goalposts. So your job is to just do your job. So that is what I have, you know, tried to do. And, you know, make 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 a difference in 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 small ways that amount to to large ways. Um, but so, even though I sometimes was not allowed at the table, I just run my own table, <laughs> my own table, my own chair. You know, set it over here to the side, and you know, and, and thank the people who were gracious and um, nice enough to to offer me a hand. Uh, like Nancy Gideon and the ladies at Mid Michigan, RWA, and um, 
um, Ruthie out of Detroit and um, and you just write your stories because in the end that's all that matters is your stories whether they want to hear it or not you know there's always a market for whatever you're going to write so I believe that I don't know if I answered your question. I get a tendency. You did. I mean, you did. Like that. I mean, you said something I always say, which is like, I'm not looking at for a seat at anybody's table. I am no. perfectly capable of crafting a table, crafting better than a table. I can craft you a damn castle. You know, exactly. like <laughs> and there's more than one way to get in that castle. <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think. I mean, I think that's uh, really awesome. Um, but I'm curious to know if you can remember the very first like real like true romance that book that you read no i can't i can't um yeah we grew up with the movies so you know casablanca and all of the early Cary grants and james garner and um doris day i mean even they were silly I mean, they were they were the romance. I mean, you, you got I loved a good love story. Um, <laughs> Sweeping music. Yeah, I like the nice thing about movies is the music because it's. I think writers have a harder job because you have to craft that music with your words. But it's like if you put two beautiful people and they're a hair's breadth from kissing and then swell the music, I feel the feels because I'm like, oh, they're gonna kiss. <laughs> But yeah. your job, you know, it's harder. You have to make me feel that. Like, what? How, what's your favorite part in that to write? Is it the first kiss? Is it the tension? Is it the happily ever after? It's the whole story. Because you can't have one without the other. You know, in order to give you, the reader, that swell of music and, and all of that, you got to craft a really good, you know, fucking story. And to be able to do that, um, I think it's a gift, no matter what you're writing. But for romance, it's special because it's so hard to write. Um, to be able to put two people in circumstances, you know, regardless of their identity, uh, two people in circumstances where, you know, they have crawled through glass for each other, um, takes talent. I mean, it takes the ability to do more than just put words on a page, because anybody can do that. Um, so I think we're a very, very special group of writers because we can do that and because everybody loves, everybody wants love, um, everybody needs love. <laughs> Definitely the world needs love right now. But um, I think, and then also too, I mean, People are gravitating to romance right now with this pandemic because of the comfort it offers. And to be able to do that is it takes a lot of skill and, and, and all of that. So I'm proud of what I do. I love what I do. <laughs> and me doing the Lord's work over here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's funny because my niece, she's 13, and she always says, uh, every time she reads a book, she's like, oh, let me guess. The answer to everything is love. Oh, my, you know, because all of her stories and in that. And it's funny because like as an adult, I remember there being was one day, not not that long ago, maybe a year ago or so. And I was like, oh, shit. The answer to everything is love. Like the world goes round. If everybody loves, the wheel keeps going forward. Mm -hmm. Every time it stops, it's because love has left the building. Right. You know, like. <laughs> 
Love's, love's on vacation or love's gone to Vegas or, you know. Love's is definitely gone to Vegas. When, so when you are actually um, crafting your characters, right, um, and you're building, you're creating the a love interest uh, for your main character, what is, what needs to be there or how do you un- kind of figure out how, what kind of love they need, what kind of person they need? For me, you know, and we all write differently. We all do the, the craft thing differently. But for me, they let me know. Um, if I try and direct them, it doesn't work. For me, and I've said this before, the words are already on the page. Characters already know the story. I'm the only person in the building that don't know what's going on. (laughs) So my job is to be quiet enough in my mind and intuitive enough to listen to what they're telling me. I used to, I, I told Sarah, Smart Bitches, I did an interview with her a couple of years ago. And I said, you know, I, my characters are always in the corner of the room laughing at me because they know the story. They know all of the, the intricacies and I don't. And they feed me little stuff. They'll give me this. They'll give me that. They'll give me this. And I'll be like. <laughs> um, but once it goes on the page, I can tell you if it doesn't belong there. I can put a, a, a paragraph on a page. And look at it and say, okay, no, uh-uh. it's not, that's not what that's supposed to say. Um, because when I edit, I edit as a reader. I don't edit as a writer. Because those are two different brain sets. Um, because I am such a voracious reader and I love romance and I love everything else that I read. I don't know. It's, I guess it's part of the gift. I don't know. But I can do a dialogue and say, that's not what she's going to say. That's dumb. You know, or she'll say, bitch, what are you doing? I'm not saying that, you know. Um, I mean, it's hard to explain sometimes. I mean, other writers get it and a lot of readers get it. But some people look at you like, are you off your meds today? (laughs) (laughs) I I likened it to um, there was a point in time where I was building puppets. Mm-hmm. And I had a very distinct thing of like what puppet I was making, right? I was trying to make, I was making a family of brown puppets. Um, and I had like the mom and the sisters and everybody. And I knew what the sister was going to be like. I was crafting her to be like my older sister, who's very sweet, like caring. You'll never hear her say a negative thing about anyone, you know, that sort of thing. And when I put the eyes on the puppet mm-hmm. and looked at her, I was like, oh, you are an emo snarky, like... <laughs> And it was like, like they knew who they were. I had nothing to do with it. I couldn't change it. There was no, I tried to speak in my like sister's voice, like in that sweet way with her. And it just didn't work. So so I know what you mean where you're just like, oh, they're who they're going to be. And you have, you're just along for the ride. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep up. You know, I'd be like, slow down, slow down as I'm typing, slow down. (laughs) So I can keep up. Yeah. When so would, if, you're, if you're editing as you go, have you ever gotten to the end of a story and just been like, whoa, this whole story didn't work? Or do you usually catch <laughs> it as you're going? No, once I start out, um, no matter the twists and the turns, 
um, I'm pretty satisfied at the end. And then it helps to have an awesome editor. Um, Erica is the best. And she always makes my books better. Sometimes we don't agree. <clears throat> but nine times out of 10.5 or 9.5 times out of 10, she's right. Um, <laughs> I have to put the ego away. And, and her thing is always dig deeper, you know, dig deeper. And when I do, you know, go down another two or three inches, um, I usually find a lot more of the character, a lot more of the interaction. I'm ignoring the phone. Um, a lot more of what I need to make the story stronger. You know, because that's what the relationship between you and your editor should be, is that you're in a, it's like being a tag team wrestling team. You know, you're, you're, you're there to support each other. And, and when you're done, the story should be better uh, and the character should be stronger. So I'm very, very grateful to her. Do you have a character that you uh, most connect to? Who's your favorite? Somebody you like? Whoever I'm writing at the moment <clears throat> is who I connect with. Um, I don't have any characters that, unless they're a villain, that I didn't uh, I didn't like. But my main characters, I mean, whoever I'm writing at the time is, is uh, but, you know, there are a few that stand out. Uh, all of them at some point. But uh, Sarita from Edge of Midnight, which is one of my uh, romantic suspense. Um, Billy from uh, Destiny's Surrender. Surrender? Yeah. I mean, not many people write stories about whores. That was uh, the first book I ever <laughs> read of yours, actually, was Destiny's yeah. Surrender. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's badass. And, and yes, I'm a whore. So what? You know, I love her attitude. Um, so there are a few that stand out, but I love them all. It's just like, you know, loving your family. So <laughs> it's, so when you're going to write a series, because you have, you know, a few series, um, do you have it all mapped out uh, before you do the first book? Or are you just winging it? Are you on the seat of your I'm pants? I'm a pantser. I'm a pantser. So, <laughs> you know, and I'm not really in the series. The only reason I'm writing series is because, you know, Erica said, well, you need to do a series. And I'm like, no. Because um, <laughs> when I started, everything was was standalone. Mm. And I'd get letters from the readers and they would say, well, can you do, as, you know, authors get from y'all, can you do uh, this side character? Can you do that side character? So there's a lot of side character stories. I have a trivia question. There's only one book out of the 41 books that I've written that is not connected to another, only one. But it was not planned that way. So now I look on my website and it's like, they've turned them into series. All these standalone books are like, okay, this is a series and this I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I just sort of just close my mouth and just nod and smile and stuff, so. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I, I, I'm, and I think part of that too, to satisfy my standalone, love is that with this series the women are not connected yeah. so we have you know um whatever her name was in rebel <laughs> too many places books not enough remember <laughs> the girl in rebel uh -huh. is not related to uh spring rain but who is related to the tempest story so it takes place in the tempest world 
And the third book, I have no idea where that book, who's going to be the person, where the book is going to come from. Um, I'm doing a Blessings books right now, so I don't have to worry about that till probably you know, next spring to figure out where this third book is and who she is and, and all of that, because it's, a, it's a, a, a trilogy. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Belinda? Yeah, I'm, I don't have a clue. It'll come to me, though, eventually. <laughs> So one thing uh, we were having fun reading about as we were researching you is the diva days oh, and how yeah. much you, I mean, obviously I aren't traveling with COVID, but in general love to travel. Um, I would personally travel as like, a, oh, well, I'm doing research. So I must now go spend three weeks in this place. Or I must in the Maldives. <laughs> yeah, I must <laughs> casually go to the Maldives. I'll set a book there naturally. Oh, I wish I could go to the Maldives. Yeah, um, interesting enough, that group that originally started Diva Days, they didn't know each other until one of the early, early online book clubs. Um, And they were called, I can't remember, it'll come to me before the end of this, but it was Color of Love. No, that's something else. Anyway, um, and they got together and did a first trip to Savannah, and um, we have been traveling together ever since, and it's all about the history. And there's a there used to be a lot more authors than there are now, um, but it's nice being able to deduct all of that. Um, oh yeah, Shani knows I'm all about deducting. I was like, we can write that off, Shani. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We yeah. Write that off. <laughs> right then on. But yeah, and, you know, it's a bunch of old hands. And I think our youngest now is Alicia, maybe 50 now. She might be 50, our youngest. But, you know, we got some women in there who are 85 years old that we cannot keep up with. <laughs> so it, it's wonderful in many ways to see how people age. Because, you know, we're at the point now where we're. You know, most of us are in our mid-60s to mid-70s. And to be able to have examples of still getting up and doing their thing at 85 um, is a wonderful kind of thing. But, yeah, we call it party with a purpose, sort of like time joiners thing, you know, party with a purpose. And um, (laughs) we have been to the Sea Islands. We've been to Savannah. We've been to New Orleans a bunch of times. And there's always a history component to it. And then I started doing stuff with my readers <clears throat> who are now sisters of my heart. These are ladies who have been with me since probably the beginning. And the two groups cross back and forth. So, you know, there may be 35 of us going to one group. There may be, you know, 25 going here. We were supposed to go to Tulsa this year, but, you know, COVID. But it, so we're going to, so the coordinators are going to redo it next year, which is a good thing because it's the 100 year anniversary of the massacre. So there's going to be lots of hopefully great programming. And um, I've been to Tulsa quite a few times. We'll take the Black Towns tour. Um, we'll see the and Tulsa was, you know, back to being a romance writer. Tulsa was the first place I'd ever seen a courting couch. They would have. You know what a courting couch is? Yeah. You know, one seat faces me 
and the other seat faces the other way, and then the chaperone sits in the middle. Uh, and I'm like, what the hell is this? It's like a courting couch. And I was like, oh, okay. So um, you'd be, you know, I'm always surprised when I pick up these little things when, you know, I'm on these different kinds of trips and tours and something to check off the, the historical romance writer box of yeah. stuff that you could use this later, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, the places you named have like, an, like deep history. Um, and crazy enough, like, so I don't know why my mom did this, but in, we lived in Los Angeles. I was a kid in Los Angeles and mm. she decided it was going to be a great idea to send me to Bible camp in Savannah, Georgia. Mm, okay. And so one, as soon as I got there, I started speaking like I was from Savannah because right. I was just, yeah, I was, yeah, that's easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, you can't help it. Yeah, um, yeah. But two, I, um, I was aware even then as a kid, I must've been like seven, like of, there was just like a deep, deeply rooted energy that could be felt just being there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very unhappy there though, because they, um, one, I didn't want to go to Bible camp, but two, <laughs> we, me, me and my sister and my cousin were, were quite literally the only black people at the camp. Um, and three, they made us go to walk up this mountain every day to Tabernacle, which was this white tent at the top of the, of a hill. And you had to basically stay there all day doing praise and worship and like, um, listening to Bible studies and, and, to, and you only left to eat. Right. So I kept trying to escape. Like I, <laughs> one time they had to like get me out of a tree. Another time they had to dig me out of a bush until finally they, um, had me escorted everywhere I went because I kept trying to like, <laughs> just playing escape slave. <laughs> I also think that's funny because Johnny, you, when I said, when I had my baby and I was like, do you want to go for a walk? Which like, as a new mom, a walk means like 15 minutes slowly around the block. And Johnny's right. like outside a walk. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so imagining you walking to the top of this hill every day, I'm like young Shawnee's just like, don't make me walk there. <laughs> that, was, that was me. I was like, why do I got to walk up this mountain? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the history of these places and also like um, Oklahoma, I would go do alternative spring break and volunteer um, at the Cherokee Nation because my family is also Cherokee. And so I would always volunteer for spring break um, and you get to see all the history yeah. um, of everything. I mean, it's it's heavy. And then the effects on the different the nations, um, like I feel like there's a plethora of things to pull from in terms of writing. Oh yeah. And yeah. and those it's so there's rich. so much out there that isn't and I'm waiting for somebody to write the story. It's untapped. Story. Yeah, untapped. Um uh Sequoia when Oklahoma was gonna be an Indian state. Um and they had the schools or they had because Oklahoma used their constitution. I mean so much and, and Americans don't even know anything about you know Sequoia. So there's a lot of stuff out there that and I could be writing books for three lifetimes and still be like, wait, 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 wait. I got one more story to write. I got one more story to write. You know? um, Is there anything that you wish you could have added into your books that you're publishing in like, let's say the nineties that just like was not acceptable. Like we had one author who's like, I couldn't use the word penis. And now obviously you no, can. No, I've never, never had any pushback. Never had any pushback. Never was told. Um, 
that I couldn't write something or there was a words I couldn't use or a position I couldn't put people in or, or any of that. Um, And I think um, I'm very, very grateful to my publishing house for, you know, not only, you know, having the, the sense to pick me up, but, you know, also to, to be very, very supportive of my career for these, what, 26 years. So, because I've always been with Avon, always. So, yeah. But, uh, have you ever written, uh, you've been writing the sex scenes and gone like, you know what, too much sex, or, you know what, this needs more sex. <laughs> well, you know, you always, I mean, and each of them, each is organic. <laughs> so sometimes, <laughs> okay, let me back. My first draft, or the draft that um, Avon purchased was nothing but sex. (laughs) (laughs) You you open that manuscript and heat would come up out of it. (laughs) And my editor, Ellen, who I will always be grateful because she taught me how to write commercial fiction. She said, Barbara, you love scenes are fabulous. We need a story, honey. Huh? I gotta write a story, you know. So, so you know the, I, you know, there's all those people who say that romance novels are nothing but sex. Yeah, they're not. We need a story too. So, um, so I balanced it, and yeah. Um, and luckily, I had a husband who loved research, so oh, you know, a lot of that went into <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> A lot of broken furniture. <laughs> That's a whole different conversation. So. I think I think it's uh, interesting that you say like that. Um, I forgot who you said, but someone helped you write commercial fiction mm-hmm. um, because I'm finding uh, like I'm I love that the barrier to entry for authors has lowered so that everybody can have an opportunity to be writing and self publishing and getting their work mm-hmm. out there. But as but also what comes with that is that I'm right, reading a lot of not well written books. There's a good, the bad, and the ugly out there. Yes, it's a good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and I think what you are describing is kind of, kind of nails it for me, which is that there's a lot of authors who are writing these really amazing love scenes. I mean, I want to read their book for the sex. However, mm-hmm. it falls flat in the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm always like, they need an editor. <laughs> That's the conversation we always have is like, they need a really good editor. Mm-hmm. They need a really good rewrite, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of the independent ladies are absolutely fabulous. Um, And they have forced publishing to move the dial in a good way. Mm -hmm. And then you have some people who who think grammar is (laughs) subjective. Or who will tell me, well, I don't read. How are you going to write and you don't read? <laughs> um, so those are the people that, you know, they need their own island over there. And, they, you know, they sell their books over there. And then we will take the independent ladies who have great editors, have great stores, have a great gift, have great talent. Because they are very, very valuable in bringing something to the marketplace that the gatekeepers may not want. but the readers want because mm-hmm. there yeah. is a difference. So, yeah, I wish, I wish there was an Island because then I could choose like what Island I'm reading from right, right. now. You just pick stuff up and you halfway through, you're like, ah, crap. <laughs> but like, there's, 
there's definitely just been some books that I picked up that I actually probably wouldn't have picked up that I was like, this is amazing. This mm-hmm. book is not what I expected, especially now with the illustrated covers. We Bridget and I always have this debate. The illustrated covers are good and bad, right? So they're good for the fact that you can read them on the train, you can read them on a the plane. Nobody knows what you're reading and you won't be embarrassed, you know, mm-hmm. by it. But it doesn't let you know that this book is going to be seamy, that it's got the stuff you want in it. It mm-hmm. kind of it kind of reads like a cartoon. So yeah. we've read some books that had you know, illustrated covers that we were like, this is not an illustrated cover book. This, yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, and we wouldn't have we wouldn't necessarily have picked it up if right. it wasn't for the podcast. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's a lot of, you know, and I look at the genre back in 94 and I look at the genre now and the changes and, and, and all of the different identities that are now writing. Whereas in 94, there are no queer books. I mean, if they were, they were, you know, very, very, very under, underground. Um, there were no male male. There was no, you know, none of that. And, you know, there weren't even black women writing back then. So, you know, to, to have the, the genre explode the way it is, um, even with all the issues and the problems, I mean, let's not get crazy. <laughs> but um, right now is a good time to be a creative um, away from mainstream yeah. because the market is hungry and publishers are sort of getting it um, and they're opening their doors a little bit. Um, and we're sneaking in and getting this stuff told and, and, and all the young women who are writing fantasy. Oh my God. That's my go-to genre that I love my fantasy books. And I was telling them on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, I said, y'all gonna put me in a poorhouse. You who know, are you reading I, right yeah, now? Yeah. There's so many of them out there and they're doing just fantastic stories. So my Kindle what? is just full. Anyone in particular you've been reading lately? I'm I a big reading. fantasy lover, so you know I have. Well, I'm, I've, I've got both Jim Butcher books. Um, I got a Kindle full, and I can't tell you names because a lot of them are first time writers, but I got their books. If I have a Kindle here, I go. I'm waiting on Pat Briggs, Alona Andrews. I could read for the rest of my life. The Magic. Do you read? You read Alona? No, not yet. Oh, girl, if you read fantasy, go get Alona Andrews. First one is Magic Bites. She's a mercenary. He's a shifter. Ooh. And it's like 12 books. And they're so fucking good. Oh, my. I mean, God. we love shifters. I love a shifter. We love shifters. We we'll love, love this. And, you know, she's got this, this great iconic line I went to some um a conference and somebody had it on a t-shirt and it said here kitty kitty and you'll sit, figure out what that is when you when you read the the books but oh my gosh she's good you know and she's done she, they're doing the um the sapphire flames thing for avon that series but um kate daniels kate, it's the kate daniels series this is the series that i'm talking about oh my god it's a husband and wife writing team. And oh, they're just fun. awesome. They're just awesome. That's See, I really think fun. We just uh, were interviewing someone and they um, 
brought on their narrator of their audiobook, and it's a husband and wife narrator. Okay. And so they sit in the same room and like narrate the romance well, that's novels. That's to- very cool. Well, he said some twins resulted from <laughs> one of the sessions. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Listen, I- listen, because I because I used to do books too, and I tell Bridget all the time. So like. Uh, initially when when we first started i was narrating and my partner was he's an engineer so he was mm-hmm. engineering it um later on we ended up like outsourcing the narration to other people but in the beginning mm-hmm. we had a lot of sex i mean <laughs> we would be like okay pause right here we're gonna take a little break and we'll come back <laughs> and hot in here <laughs> I mean, it, it was getting hot you know it was and then it resulted in hotter sex too because like like normally you know, you might be laying in bed at night or whatever. And, you know, you, you roll over, you guys do your thing. And it's not necessarily that exciting. Yeah. But when you're standing at a microphone, like they're in the office chair, like then yeah. things, yeah. things get yeah. creative. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Spur of the moment. Spur of the moment. Spur of the moment is always fun. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, Alona Andrews, get Magic Bites is the first. It takes place in Atlanta. It's just dystopian uh atlanta oh it's the um dystopian and shifters i mean those right. are and, it's the, and, and, magic, and magic too and it's oh, the, love it. the battle between tech and magic love it that's great nice. oh, i like that great series let me know if you, you let me know if you love it because you're gonna I, love it. <laughs> I will i'm sure right after this ignore all the things that are on my to-do list immediately <laughs> Start reading. It's well, we're a problem doing, that I have. <laughs> we're doing a whole season of uh, like paranormal and that sort of. So this is this is gonna make it into our season. We're just like yes. okay, let's. Pat Briggs is real good too. Um, yeah, we find Pat. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, we're not a, close enough to her to call her Pat yet, you know. But yeah. we've, we've read her <laughs> Miss Briggs. <laughs> Miss Briggs. Yes, exactly. Love it. So uh, I've, never met, I've never met her, but. Alona and George, I've met a lot. So they're two of my favorite people. So for Alona Andrews, they're, they're good people. That's uh, awesome. awesome. I'm excited. Me and Johnny have been talking about this, like when the world can open up and we could actually go to, you know, do interviews like this in person at conventions and stuff. Because yeah. we were all excited. We were like, oh, 2021. There's like a couple of different places we're going to go. We'll meet, you know, there's obviously we live in Los Angeles. There's panels in Los Angeles all mm-hmm. the time. We can, yeah. you know, and that obviously has not happened. Um, do you find that, you know, because you writer, so typically you're at your computer writing away. Do you feel like this has all like changed your process all that much or, or you're just kind of still at home writing away? Still at home. That's what I do. You know, I, (laughs) I have, you know, you know, and I know that some people are really struggling, Mm -hmm. really, really struggling, but this is my life all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've had my groceries delivered for the last three years. So, you know, it's like I go out to the porch, grab my groceries, come in, you know. So when people are like, well, what am I going to do with my groceries? I'm like, order them. You know, go to Target, pick up your stuff from the door. You know, um, <laughs> it hasn't changed. The only thing it has changed is that I'm not in an airport every weekend, which is a good kind of thing. I have actually had a chance to stay home this summer. Cause, you know, I'm 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 the road dog. I'm I'm traveling, you know, beating the bushes for readers, you know, all the time, every time. And um, I have lost so many tickets um, 
airline tickets that are no longer viable because it's been over a year, <clears throat> but I already got to deduct them, so I'm good. But, <laughs> but but one of the good things I think that has come out of it is that a lot of the independent bookstores have been doing these Zoom things with mm-hmm. all these different authors. And it gives people who may not, for whatever reasons, maybe disabilities or, or distance, to participate, who maybe couldn't come to a signing before, or, um, you know, like I said, for whatever reason. So hopefully, if we ever return to whatever normal will be, that they will continue to do these for those people who, who can't make signings. Um, because, you know, we, we want to touch them, too, and they want to be able to sit in the front row and you know, even if their front row is sitting on their couch um, to see people like Alyssa or Alicia Rye or, or Sarah McLean or you know, Tasha Harrison, and, you know, all those names that, you know, evoke fangirl kind of ah! <laughs> Brenda Jackson. And yeah. all of that, so that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. I got to um, I got to see one of my favorite bands that I could. I would never have gotten tickets to. It's those kind of bands that like, um, it's called Pussifer, but they sell out within like seconds of their tickets mm-hmm. hitting the, you know? And so they did a whole virtual concert. Who is this? And, huh? What band was it? It's called Pussifer. Oh, okay. And uh, they're like a kind of rock, uh, kind of a, a progressive rock band, but they, um, they're really weird and quirky and, you know, everybody who loves them loves them to death, okay. you know? And, um, but, like I got to watch it from the from my home. It oh, was awesome. and it and they made it for home viewing and everybody yeah. has the same seat. And like to me that's really awesome because like I even if I had gotten a seat, it would have been somewhere in the nosebleeds where I could have seen right. nothing. Yeah. You yeah. know. So now the accessibility for things is um I think people are really seeing the benefit of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good thing in a lot of different ways. It definitely uh, is. Yeah. I still want to get my hugs and stuff. I, I miss that, but, mm-hmm. you know, and miss being in the same room with, you know, some of my writing peeps who I, uh, you know, I obviously adore and all that, but <clears throat> this is the best we can do. It ain't bad. You know, it ain't, it, yeah. it ain't bad. It ain't bad. So, We've also been talking to authors um, about writing characters that are different from themselves, whether it's culturally, racially, or mm-hmm. or having even different uh, sex, right? So if it's male, male, um, male, female, whatever the pairing is. Um, and so how, what do you do to, when you're writing characters that you feel like are um, much different than yourself? I have had... Um... One, two, two couples, one female, one male, uh, who are queer. I just made them people. I mean, I didn't do anything extraordinary. Um, I just made sure they were people. And that seemed to be all that, you know, you really need. You don't need to do, you know, you don't need to put flags on them or, you know, anything like that. Just make them people. And so that's what I did. And I, you know, didn't say, oh, my God, here they are. You know, they were just, you know, part of the story. And in that way, it just went over a couple of people's heads. They were like, oh, really? 
okay, now I got to go back and read that. And I'm like, <laughs> really? So we've heard a lot, like when we talk to people about their writing, writing characters different from, from themselves and that sort of thing. We get a lot of the times people say that it's not their story to tell. Right. And, uh, we Ultimately, yeah you need to you need to check yourself what would you say to people who think that it's not their story to tell or do you, is it more of erasure if you're not telling those stories um is it more beneficial to the market if people with big who, who move books and publishers listen to are writing stories that are not the standard white white caucasian story um or writing more lgbt stories I think the story should be told by the people who are living it, especially if they're marginalized. Um, because why not? Um, when you learn that the largest percentage of people who are writing African-American children's stories are not African-American, and you know that there are tons of African-American creators out there who are creating children's stories for their kids. That's a problem for me. Um, and then when you get it wrong, like that George Washington book a couple of years ago, um, you can't be upset when people get upset with you and start throwing tomatoes at you because of what you, you know, so I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't know. You know, I, I I don't pretend to to have a solution for everything, but I think that if you're going to write a Desi story about so-called forced marriage, you need to be part of the community because it's so layered and it's so different and it's got so many different nuances that those of us in the Western culture have no idea what's going on with that. Um, and I, I told Sonali the other day because they were having this question on, on Twitter. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm so thankful to be close enough to her that she explained it to me, you know, how their marriages work, which let me know that we in Western didn't have a clue. You know, we don't have a clue about, you know, what's going on with, with Indian marriages. Um, and I think that kind of truth can only be told by the people who are living it. And, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, if you're white, you can't write black characters. And if you're black, you can't. You know, and black people have to write white characters all the time because, you know, we have to be able to we have to be back cultural in order to survive. But it doesn't work the other way around. Um, but if you're going to do it. Know what you're doing. I was at a, a conference. This was years ago. And a woman told me that she was going to write a Mexican-American story. She's a white woman. And she said. And I said, well, you know, is there somebody in your family? And she said, well, no, I'm just going to go by what I saw on TV. Uh, mm -hmm. No, please don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. You know, so you have a whole lot of people who want to base their stories in other communities by what they see on TV. Um, we have uh, African-American romance stories being told where the hero, every hero has got drug people in their families or gangsters in their family. And, you know, you see very few <clears throat> who are the sons of, of doctors, 
or the sons of uh, successful trade people. And you can tell when they were getting their stuff from TV. It's like, really? So I don't know. You know, I, I don't pretend to, to know the answer, but I know a bad book when I read it. <laughs> so <laughs> every time when I would be narrating and there, there would be someone would add, like, you know, a manuscript would come through and it would be there was a lot of guys who wrote female, female. Oh, yeah. Um, and it and you could clearly see it was a man writing female, female like like it was just from a male gaze, completely tone deaf. I felt like <laughs> that's like the guy that was and we were dragging him on Twitter. This was I don't know, six or seven months ago. Um, and he had written this book. And said that the woman's vagina had a, had a little purse in her vagina. And we're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we, we carry what? In our, what? No, 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 no. Go go take a seat, please. Yeah, that that um the website and the uh the Twitter for men writing women badly uh is just a hoot. If you, <laughs> if you have not seen it go and you will just die. I mean, I've only seen the one that's like character descriptions in movies. So yeah. they have a they have a Twitter about that which is very funny. Yeah. I mean it's not funny because it's sad, but it's also very funny because it's like yeah. another tall, leggy, buxom. Like she's like all these things and you're like, well, first of all, anatomically, not a lot of ladies look like that. And right, secondly, right, right, you didn't right. mention a single personality trait. Uh, <laughs> oh, she's klutzy. <laughs> of, right, course of course she is. Course you know she what is. I you know what I always there's just like nuance that I always wonder about in um in in sex actually, which is um so you can have a partner who you might be a couple inches taller than you, right? Mm. So say I'm five seven if my partner's five ten. However, I have very long legs and no torso. I mean, mm-hmm. my ass goes right into to my shoulder blades. Um, and if you have a partner who's built the opposite, right? Short leg, long torsos, they can't really reach your boobs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, <laughs> and you never kind of hear this this in romance novels where someone's like, where you got, you're like, wait, change positions because I can't reach your boobs in this, in this direction. Let's go right. this way. Right. <laughs> The, the stories that have, you know, this six foot five guy and the girl's like four foot ten. Yes. You know, it's like, how y'all gonna work that out? How you gonna work that out? I, when I see that in real life and you see pictures of those people, there's a famous, um, I think he was like a boxer or something like that. Uh-huh. And they're a real couple. I mean, he's like six, eight or something absurd. And she's like five foot, five foot yeah. one. And she looks, or actually she might be five, three, but like next to him, like he's, like like a cartoon of the Mr. Incredible. Like that's how big yeah. he is. Yeah. And then she's so bitty next to him. They're yeah. married. They have a kid. So clearly they worked out the, the you yeah. know, anatomical they differences. The, they worked out the logistics. Yes. yes. <laughs> so one thing we've been asking um, our authors who have, you know, sort of long marriages, long happily ever afters of their own is what personal advice would you give for sustaining and finding, but also sustaining a relationship? Um, Don't try and change the person. Um, I mean, and what is it? What is this? A woman on Twitter said, and, and 
Marion Marion Rich is not a financial uh, plan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, people marry, and you know, and women. You know, I don't want to say women in particular, but you know, they they get these guys, and they say, okay, well, you know, if I marry him, I'll get him. I'll get him. I'll change him to do this, and I'll get him to do that. And yeah, you know, don't try and sand and paint your guys. <laughs> I mean, why did you fall in love with them in the first place? Um, hopefully you both will grow through the relationship. No relationship is perfect. There were many days I wanted to bury my husband in the backyard. <laughs> there were many days he wanted to bury me in the backyard. But if you're evenly yoked in, in ways that benefit each other, support each other's dreams you um you help each other uh when i get my first book and i got this you know 14 page single space double-sided revision letter because like i said i only wrote sex during the first (laughs) and i'm screaming because you know i don't know how to do this you know he picked up the kids and he did dinner and you know, he did. So, you know, you, you try and you just try and make it work because love is hard work. Love is not easy. Uh, and that HEA is not going to come overnight. That HEA is every damn day, you know, trying to. Um, just trying to stay to, you know, stay together and stay alive and survive the children and, you know, <laughs> For real, I'm deep in that, Beverly. Deep <laughs> in it. My kids were home from daycare for a whole week, and I was like, Leo, I know I've said it before, but I am not cut out to be a stay-at-home mom. Not cut okay. out for it. Props oh. to all you ladies out there who are stay-at-home moms. You're the real heroes. Because if I didn't have daycare, <laughs> different story. <laughs> that said, every mom is a working mom. You know. Yeah. I was home with my kids. I stayed home with my kids until they were both like five. And I was like, I, I got to go. <laughs> I love Whoa. y'all. I love y'all. I don't love y'all like that. I got to yeah. go. I, I like what you said about equally yoked because the older I've gotten, the more, I mean, they drilled that into us at, at, at church as kids. Make sure you're equally yoked. Make sure you're equally yoked. Let me tell you how much I knew what that meant. Not a, not a, not a damn thing. Not a damn no. thing. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, equally yoked. Yeah, equally yoked. Uh-huh, oxen. Yeah. Yes, God. You know, oxen. And, <laughs> and, and it's not till my 30s that I'm like, oh, yeah. this is what they were talking about. That we're pulling both pulling the, at the same. Pulling you know, in the same direction. Direction. At the same, same time. At the same rate. Yeah. You know, that we're in nothing to sync. do with economics. It's got nothing to do with education. It's just, are you two going in the same direction? And one ain't going to the left and the other one going to the right. You know, yeah. you got to be going straight ahead. So, yeah. I, I just wish they were they had been more specific. Well, <laughs> Spell it know, out for me. You know how adults are. Okay, you understand this when you grow up, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, always, I told Brady the story about how um, they told us in school, don't drink and drive. Mm-hmm. And. But they didn't say don't drink alcohol and drive. They said yeah. they just said don't drink and drive. I'm eight years old. My dad's drinking a Fanta in the car, and I'm flipping out in the back because I'm like, he's gonna <laughs> crash his car. He's gonna crash his car. Well, most of us know they meant alcohol, so I'm not sure. But they, they, but in school, when we were a little kid, they never said alcohol, not once. 
it was always just a slogan, don't drink and drive. And I yeah. didn't know why drinking and driving was bad. It, did, it didn't quite make sense. All I knew was it was going to lead to a crash and it was going to yeah. be fiery. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to die. <laughs> I understand. That's why specificity is important. It is. It is. Especially if you're alone. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there a question? I mean, you've done, you know, hundreds of interviews throughout your career. Is there a question that you wish interviewers asked you? No, I mean, I don't think there's anything else on the planet <laughs> that has not been asked. Um, no. And, you know, and, and some of the questions are novel, which is good. It tells me they did their homework. Um, well, I'm very curious to ask, Ms. Mrs. Beverly Jenkins. Yes. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> Oh, I'm well. You know, I'm a product of the '60s, so all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drop a fuck or a motherfucker or you know, bitch or you know, all of that. So it actually made me really happy because uh, when we were starting this, my mom and some of my other relatives were like, "Well, do you think you should be swearing?" And I was like, "Have you ever met me? I can't not like. I don't know how to." do a whole day without some sort of swear words. Yeah. <laughs> like they're so rich. They just really it just yeah. made me happy. Yeah. My, and we, um, and we didn't figure it out till episode one where we're like, are we swearing? We're swearing. We're swearing. Yeah. We're swearing. My daughter, I was talking to my daughter on the phone when she was in college. She's 40 now, but when she was in school. And you know, she and I are going back and forth and we're dropping MFs and we're dropping, you know, all this. And she and she got off the phone a minute and she said, I'm talking to my mom. And they're like, You're talking to your mother? <laughs> <laughs> like, Who do you think I learned how to curse from? You know, yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You thank are you. so welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been fun because it's not scripted. Yes. Yes. We don't <laughs> script anything. Yeah. <laughs> you could tell. Because we want to just like get to know people. We don't want to just ask you the same 10 questions you've been asked for your whole career. It's like people could go Google those answers. Right. We wanted to just talk to you. And this is but, nice. But awesome. Had a good time. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a pleasure. Well, everyone, thanks for sticking with us. And we are excited to report that we are taking a quick two-week break. We had so many great interviews and books coming at you in October, November, and December that we are taking two weeks to refresh and get ready for season six, Dark Romance. Shawnee, are you ready? Yes, I'm so ready for Dark Romance. I'm also ready for all the fun stuff we have in store for y'all coming up. Yes, we had some writing that we're going to be doing of some smutty stories we've been thinking about. Yes. We have, of course, lots more fun on social and on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance. So guys, make sure you come and play with us. And we'll see you in two weeks. So until then, dear besties, may your books be your lover. And your hand, your best friend. Yeah, yeah, yowza! Yeah,